0: Hey guys, good to be back. So great to be back with you all. Last week was a little bit overwhelming, to be honest with you. Uh, It's like, wow, there's lots of people in the same room. Uh, Three months of sabbatical, um, I wasn't really used to that, but it was still great. But it's really uh, a pleasure to be able to spend some time in God's Word with you. Really looking forward to doing that um, today. Um, These next four sermons are called sabbatical sermons. So, um, just, I want to try and, um, key scriptures that God's really touched my heart with over these months, I want to try and share with you guys, sort of share the goodies out, you know, share out, share the good stuff, and hopefully that you'll be blessed um, through that as well. I want to start with a poem that I wrote about, it's about two days before the sabbatical had finished, and I was reflecting on, man, what's, what's it going to be like after sabbatical? So, I'm just going to read this to you just to try and... Um, help you get a sense of what's going on in my heart and and just some of the things that the Lord's been doing. So here we go. What will it be like? It's called Life After Sabbatical. (laughs) I'm worried at this point that I'm writing this. What will it be like back in the fray? What will it be like back day to day? Back in the thick of it, back in the throng, back with my notifications switched on. What will it be like? How will it feel after this season that's felt quite surreal? After three months of just this in and that in, reposing and resting, chilling and chatting. Of course, I've been praying, reading and stuff. Uh, I haven't been straying, but it hasn't been tough. In truth, this sweet season has at times been bliss. It's not that the preaching and serving weren't missed, but as I pressed pause, and allowed time to listen as I looked up and asked him for fresh vision. As I slowed down, even stopped, my pulse quickened. As I said, Lord, I think the darkness was sickened. As he created the space in this season for me to step back and recover the reason for why I do what I do, when I do how, I've been quite surprised by where I'm at now. He didn't cajole me. I heard no rebuke. I think I just felt I was gently pursued. Stealthily, cunningly, lovingly captured. I found words in his words that left me quite raptured. Now what I'm not saying is in these 90 days, I've lived in the glory cloud and quite flown away. Some days it was ironing. Some days it was shopping. Uh, More than once I was simply just chilling and whopping. I like it there. Uh, (laughs) Some days there were tears. (laughs) it's a great place some days there were tears some days deep frustration some days just a bit sad at the state of our nation but right back in springtime as I started to ponder that a rest time was coming just a little bit yonder I made it quite clear to the Lord that I need a whole bunch of help for this thing to succeed for truth to be known I'm not great at stopping there's balls to be juggled that I'm not great at dropping there's plates that need spinning and I'm just your man I'm happy to do that I'm down with that plan Well, all I can say is the Lord is quite kind. He listened, he laughed and said, I think you'll find. When you respond to the things that I'm saying, when you respect the foundation I'm laying, when you remember that I am the builder and all my materials like gold and like silver are being sufficiently placed by my hands, perfectly, beautifully, enabled to stand the pressures, temptations and storms of this life, then you'll be able to chill with your wife. And hang with your kids and snooze in your chair. And see just how good is your artistic flair. And pop down to Wapping and go on your trips. I'll cover you, listen. Just trust in my grip. My grip is on you. My grip's on the church. Trust. You will never be left in the lurch. So I trusted. That's my part, to trust and no more. And I rested and snoozed in my chair. On the floor. By the pool. On the beach. I got really quite rested. And yet into my soul I got richly invested. By him who was quietly leading me, cleverly drawing me by his affections so tenderly. The place where he took me I wouldn't have planned. A book in his book from which kids should be banned. The song of all songs is the name of this treasure. A song between lovers of passion and pleasure. That's the surprise that I'd find myself here. Drawn into love of this kind without fear. Love struck with Jesus as strange as it sounds. It's been my journey this love without bounds, where Jesus would take up this song of two lovers and wrap it round me just like winter warm covers. This fierce divine romance, this passionate knowing its breaking me down, steadily growing. I wouldn't have chosen it, but then I'm a fool. But I wouldn't have chosen this route, not at all, for so many reasons and all of them petty. And he knows me backwards and forwards. And yet he decided to lead me this way, undiscovered, where he is the bridegroom and I'm the beloved. Where I dare to say that to him I am lovely, that his heart skips a beat from one little glance from me. These things I would not have been able to say from the heart, but now I am free to today. I think that I'm just at the start of this thing, but even these first steps have caused me to sing with that bit more gusto and that bit more fire because I've realized it touches his heart and desire. So I'm gulping this air because without it I'm dying. I'm drinking this water because without it, I'm drying. I'm feasting on this so it's not just me trying. I'm learning to rest that I might take up flying. So what will it be like back in the fray? What will it be like back day to day, back in the thick of it, back in the throng, back with my notifications switched on? I'm not sure I can answer. I really don't know. But I think that what's happened is likely to grow inside me, beyond me. It's all about sharing. This break has been more than for me, and I'm daring to hope that together we all might taste more, more of this tenderness and hear more of his roar to catch more of his heart for us, more of his passion, allow him completely, entirely to fashion and shape us and mould us and win us all his with his heavenly, glorious, wonderful kiss. So uh, Song of Songs is where he took me. I was surprised. I've got four weeks to preach i'm not going to take you to song of songs it's not long enough i'm going to i'm going to talk to the other guys and leadership team and see if we can maybe get something going in song of songs for 2018 but there's so much in there but there were some there were some key scriptures on the way elsewhere that god led me to that i just want to share with you over this time is that okay just try and draw you in to i mean when you take three months out three months yeah, you know, a lot can happen. A real lot can happen. And my whole plan was to press reset. I just said to you guys, to want to rest and press reset." Do you remember that? Just want to be a disciple of Jesus, learn to love Him again, without any responsibility. And so this 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 sermon, I guess, is called um, "Pressing Reset." Um, I was down in Wapping. I have a new Bible with me. I'm a true Londoner. Only true Londoners go further into London to rest. That's how you know when you're a true, true Londoner. You go further in and then you rest more. That's how you know. Um, and I've got, this is my new Bible. This is my Bible. It's my birthday Bible. I was really excited about this Bible. It's me my sabbatical Bible. I've got it done for me by a guy in America. So I chose it and he covered it. And it was real nice. He turned up and he hadn't done a great job. Which was a little bit saddening. So I wrote to him. I said, mate. Like, you know, it's a lovely Bible, but I paid a lot of money for this. And it's kind of, you said you're going to do it by hand and it's it's not great. So like, I need a refund. At which point he disappeared. C'est la vie. So it sat on the shelf for about three or four weeks with me looking at it and feeling sad. And then I got about three or four weeks into this. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to use it. Nothing's perfect in this age. So i actually fallen in love with it, you know, which is good news. But anyway, the first day I used it, I took it down to Wapping. August or something. I'm sat on the beach, the Thames beach there. And there is a beach there on the Thames. Before you start laughing, you lot get to know your city before you start sniggering. All right, and um, so I'm on the beach and I open it up. It's all crisp. It's all crisp. I thought, oh, I quite like this actually. Oh, it's nice. If you're a bookie, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, this is all right actually. So I sat down. So I opened it up. So I'm in Psalm 27, and uh, this dog walker comes onto the beach. His dog walks along the damp beach up to me and sticks his paw on my brand new Bible. I I almost forgot I was a Christian in that moment. Psalm 25 and 26 are forever smudged with Thames grime. So that's what happened to me. Anyway, so Psalm 27, I'm going to... um, I'm going to read it to you and uh, we'll see where God takes us through it. So, um, I'm going to read it in my old Bible for um, things to be explained at another time. This much dear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh... My adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I want to pause there for a moment. This psalm opens with such confidence, such incredible confidence and triumph, and yet the context is pressure and war. The context is opposition. This is not written from an ivory tower. This is written by a king. And kings in those days went to war. He knew about warfare. He knew about pressure. He knew about opposition. He knew what it was to have people baying for his very life. So it's not theory. So if you're feeling like, man, you're in the thick of it right now. You feel like there's, it's up against you. There's enemies visible, invisible. This is a really important psalm. Because he's right in the thick of it. And it's not games, it's not jokes, this is the real thing. And yet he says in the middle of it, in the middle of it, there's this, yeah, I will be confident at the, at, at the end of verse 3. I will be confident in the midst of this. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary tone. You think, when you see someone like that, you need to ask yourself, what's the secret there? What's it, what's, I need to get beneath this. You know those situations and those people you meet, you think, I need some more time with you. And those people, I need to. how do you do that? What's going on there? What's, what's driving there? He's a man under serious pressure and he's walking in confidence. It's glorious. It's a wonderful thing. Well, I think verse four gives us the key. <laughs> and this is the verse I was really meditating in. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, To behold the beauty of the Lord. Wonderful, isn't it? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I've asked that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Whenever someone says I'm about one thing, you need to stop and listen at that point. I think to be about one thing is perhaps one of the keys to a fruitful life. And in a city which is constantly trying to get you to be about five things, ten things, twenty things, when David says one thing, we've got to stop London and say, hold on a minute, talk to me. One thing have I asked of the Lord. Let me ask you this question. When you whittle it down, if I was to say you've got one prayer left and it's going to be answered, you've got one prayer left and God's going to answer it. What's it going to be? And don't you come at me with these really super spiritual answers now. Think about it. Be honest with yourself. What are you going to ask? What are you going to say? One thing. You know it's a yes from heaven. David says, One thing I've asked the Lord. One thing. I want to live in your presence. I don't want to just visit. I don't want to just know your touch. I don't want to just know your blessing. I want to live in your presence because I want to see your beauty. I want to delight. I want my soul, my soul needs your beauty. And I want to be able to talk to you and ask you things and and say, Lord, what about this? I want to inquire. I I want to be in that relationship with you where I'm saying, Lord, talk to me about that. That's what I long for. And this is a song that has spoken to me for for years, really, but I hadn't been in it for a while. And it was just one of those moments where, you know, I just was there again and it was like pressing reset. It was like, wow, this, this is it. You know those moments where you just think, yes, you you know, you feel like you feel like someone's written something and, and they've written it from the depth of your heart. You know that moment? You think, you've written something and it's given word, it's given articulation to a longing. That i I, I don 't think I could have put into words then, and I think, to be honest, through busyness and life had kind of been just moved to the sides. But when I read it again, I was like, Yes, yes that 's what I want. That is what I long for it's just like jesus there 's something about you know, Jesus is able to say this before the cross. This is an extraordinary thing. Imagine being able to say this just before you die. Jesus said in, in John 17 verse 4 to the Father, he's praying, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. What a wonderful time. What a, what a, no sense of loose ends, unfinished business. What you gave me to do, Father, I did. Now, looking at the disciples at that stage, you think, wow. You know, Jesus, I'd be more anxious than you, to be honest. I'd be thinking, Lord, can you give me two more years? Maybe three more years? Because these guys really have not got it. (laughs) They keep going, you know, they have not understood. He knows he's done what he's supposed to have done. He knows his time is coming. And he says, I've accomplished the work you gave me to do. Jesus. So many people tried to get Jesus to do other things. Satan in the wilderness tried to get Jesus to bypass the cross and get shortcut to glory. He tried to seduce him with something beyond what God had given him to do. And he said, no. People tried to pressurize Jesus. They saw this amazing healing gift, this gift of miracles that he was able to heal all who came to him. And they brought people from towns and towns, probably traveled overnight. They found him praying. They said, there's, there's loads more now. You healed a load yesterday. They've brought the multitudes now. Jesus said, no, 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 we've got to go there now. And they're like, but hold on a minute. There's, there's multitudes of the sick there. And Jesus said, I know, what I've come, I know what I've come for. Jesus was a boundary person. There were perimeters around his life. That he didn't he didn't he didn't play fast and loose with. He knew what the Father had given him to do. People others tried to intimidate him into doing miracles and answering questions, and he just faced them with silence. There was this one thing about Jesus, and aren't you glad? If Jesus hadn't kept to his one thing, we wouldn't be here today. Jesus' one thing was securing salvation obeying the Father's will to secure salvation for us that the Father might reconcile all things back to himself through him. That's the work he had to do. And Jesus was a one thing man. Jesus brings us into fellowship with with, with, with him who's able to have one. He doesn't have to do everything, be everything, get everywhere. There's a peace. The most influential man to have ever lived, unquestionably, never wrote a book. Never moved beyond an area bigger than the size of Wales. His feet never touched an area bigger than the size of Wales, and yet this extraordinary fruit influence. What is it? He he was peaceful in the Father's will, and he was, I know what you've given me to. Do. This is what I'm going to do. David says one thing: I just want to know you. I want that devotion, because out of that comes everything else. You see, Jesus loved the Father. Love being with the Father. I'm not going to say anything unless I hear it from the Father. I'm not going to do anything. It was that devotion. Everything came out of that. We all want to be fruitful, don't we? There's something in this one thing. When we're being squeezed and people are trying to get us to be this or do that. It's you know, it's not even made any easier being a Christian, to be honest. Sometimes you go to conferences, you just feel like I've come away with like, do you know everyone I heard, do you know what I wanted to be like? Do you know what I mean? And everyone had the answer. And now like I'm going home like, oh my goodness, like, I'm stressed out just looking at this thing. Yeah, it can be like that sometimes. David says is one thing. And that was such a blessing at the start of those three months, because I thought, you know what, I haven't got to run myself ragged. Try, you know, I just want to be with you, Lord. And help, help me know how to do that in this way over these, over these three months. And I love this thing of, I want to just delight, delight. He's like, delight. I want to see your beauty. I want to delight in that. It's wonderful. You know, there's things, there's things that if we don't stop and do, we will be seriously harmed. You know that? People, people tend to fall into big trouble either around money, sex or power. Those are the three big ones, right? That tends to be, you can root most bad things people fall into back to money, sex or power. Which one's your Achilles heel? We're all different. We're all different, but we've all, we've all got vulnerabilities. Which one's yours? I reckon maybe David being an artist. We know that David's big mistake was involved, involved taking another man's wife. Maybe for David it was sex, it was beauty. What's going to keep David? Only the beauty of the Lord can keep David. Only There was a Christian writer once who wrote this, and it stuck with me. F- for years he said unless you stop to take in beauty you will be taken out by beauty whoa unless you stop and take in such beauty that your soul is ravished only the lord has that beauty you will at some point be taken out by legitimate beauty because your soul will be beauty starved we need beauty is real maybe it's power maybe you maybe you just you know you you really struggle with just control and you're you're constantly just trying to monopolise situations and other people and get people to do what you want you you recognise that's me that's my thing you know what you need to know you need to know a sovereign God who has all power and who wants to equip you with appropriate power not so you can manipulate people's lives but so you can be mega fruitful so that you can go into places, you can go into prayer and, and walk in the power of God and see in darkness vanquished. That's what you need. You need to walk in redeemed power, the power of God. But you first must submit your thirst for power to the Lord and allow Him to be Lord of all. Maybe it's money. Maybe you're always, you're, your mind doesn't stop going and watch your next business venture, next day we'll out and we'll accumulate that and we'll invest there. And da, 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 da. Do you know what? It's not necessarily a spiritual thing to be poor isn't necessarily spiritual. But if you're going to be rich, if you're going to be rich as a Christian, let me tell you, God needs to do a deep work in you about money. A deep, deep work. I don't There, there doesn't seem to be loads and loads of rich Christians around, and I think that's because it's not an easy thing to walk in. You've got to let the Lord renew your mind around money. You have to catch a vision for investing in eternity with your money. Not just surviving and coping and not falling, but investing and being generous. With our special offering today, you've got opportunity. It's another step, another step in that process. Saying, Lord, I'm putting the kingdom first. Lord, I'm looking to you. Lord, I want to invest in eternal things in people's lives and people coming to know you. It's so important. Lord, one thing, to be in your presence, to be close to you. That's the secret. And then, and, then, and then, so we've got under the skin, we've got under the motivation of the man, verse five and six. He'll hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. You see, he's saying, I've chosen to dwell in his house. So when trouble comes, I haven't got to start going, oh, quick, where's the Lord? He's already chosen. This is where I want, I want to live with the Lord. So it's not that panic of when trouble kicks in, oh, I've forgotten how to pray, or oh, I feel really bad about praying because I haven't prayed for months and now trouble's kicked in and I'm praying. You're not in that place because what he said is, do you know what, regardless of what season's going on, this is what I'm about, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. That's what the whole, that is what the a desire the Holy Spirit will put in you. The Holy Spirit teaches you when you come to know the Lord, the Holy Spirit puts something in you where you know there's only one place now I can ever call home. And that's his presence. So when trouble does come, it's the most natural thing. And we're even trying. I'm in his shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock so I won't drown. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I, I love this. And I will offer in his tent... It says, sacrifices with shouts of joy. Sometimes the Bible interpreters, they they make it a little bit too tame. It says, I will offer in his tent sacrifices of shouts. I'll be like, yes, Lord. It's okay to shout in victory. It's okay. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You see, because he's made the Lord his dwelling place. Troubles come. Trouble still comes when the Lord your dwelling place. You know that? Don't fall into that teaching that says, you know, trust the Lord and everything will go smooth. Trouble still comes. But you know you're dwelling in his presence and he lifts you up high. You do, it does not overcome you. He, he brings you through it to a place of victory, to a place where you're able to shout again and sing songs and say, Lord, you've done it. You've done it. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, and I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Now this is beautiful. Hear this. You have said, he's praying, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Isn't that beautiful? Many people want to seek the Lord's hand. They want to see the Lord do something for them. Everyone has a list of things they'd love the Lord to do. That's not wrong. But what does God say? God says to him, seek my face. He says, Lord, your face I seek. This is such a twinning, such a unity of hearts. We see this in Jesus Christ, this devotion, this I've just submitted to the Father's will. Here I am, I've come to do your will, O oh Lord. This is what our, our Jesus has done for us. He's shown us what to do. He's shown us how to do it. He liberates you from trying to do everything and be everything. He sets you free from that. He sets you free and he says, do you know what? Seek my face. Seek my face. And when you read that, you go, do you know what? Yes. Yes, what a joy, because the promise is this, those who seek, find. You'll see him, he'll show himself to you. Hide not your face from me, turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. What a heart cry. This is someone who's known difficulty. They've known what it is to be forsaken. and known what it is to be stitched up, to be left in the lurch. And yet they've had a revelation of the faithfulness of God. Even though those earthly figures who should be most faithful, even, when, even though they have forsaken me, you've given me a revelation so deep that I know you won't. Isn't that wonderful? When, when, when you allow the Lord to have your heart, which is what being a Christian is, give him the centre of you, and he'll get everything else. <laughs> give him the center of you, and he will then have everything else. When you give him your heart and say, yes, Lord, I'm about you, do you know what? He reveals his faithfulness to you in such a deep way. He shows you his love in such an awesome way. He, he, he deposits in your depth such an assurance. You know you will never be left. You will never be forsaken. Do you know that? He will never leave you forsaken. Isn't that wonderful? It's a glorious, beautiful thing. The Lord will take me in. What a picture. It's the, it's the, it's the abandoned baby on the doorstep picture, isn't it? The Lord opens the door, oh, I love you. I love you in my family. So I was preparing this. I felt the Holy Spirit just quicken me with this image. and you know, I just felt that there would be something he particularly wants to minister to today. This is a little bit, your story is a bit like that. You think actually, there's been some forsakenness that's gone on. And the Lord wants to bring you to a place where you say, the Lord will take me in. He wants you to know that today. Such a big heart. His heart's never too full. Hallelujah. Never too full. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. So it's still not easy, but he knows God's got him and he's praying and he's confident. And then we end with this. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your hearts take courage. Wait for the Lord. We heard that read earlier, didn't we? Psalm 130. Wait for the Lord. Wait for him. I want to end by, I guess, just giving a testimony to the the faithfulness of God throughout the sabbatical. I, I was nervous about it because I'm not, I'm not very good at slowing down, stopping, waiting. I'm quite an energetic person. I Enjoy having lots of things going on and giving attention to that and then to that. I'm not very good at just stopping and drilling down. And I was nervous. I was a bit anxious. I thought, Lord, help me in this I pray. And um, my testimony, I guess, is this: is that is that over the time, I've just uh, uh, you know there were. There were restless days, it wasn't perfect, so don't please don't develop a, a wrong view. It, just very very human. But over those few months, God, God got me to a place where, there were days literally where everyone would leave for work and for school and I'd be in, the, we got this little Ikea rocking chair in our kitchen. I'd be rocking away in there when everyone left. I'd be in the same spot when they got in. I'd be in the same spot. Maybe I went for to the toilet made a cup of tea at some point, but that's where I was. That's where I was. And I did a bit of snoozing. Any of you who know me, you know I can snooze anywhere, anytime. don't even need a chair, just carpet, a bit of carpet, and I'm, I'm, I'm your man. In fact, the kids once recorded me falling asleep on a brick wall. So you literally <laughs> fell asleep on a brick wall, literally. I'm not even exaggerating. It's one of the funny family stories they tell about me. I'll sleep anywhere. Just have a few snoozes. I just sit with my Bible out. Just be with the Lord. Just be with the Lord. wonderful it's wonderful and i'm i'm not saying it was like i saw him face to face i never went to the third heaven i didn't hear things that men are not permitted to speak i did that was not my i loved it that wasn't my experience but you know what there was a peace and just a sense of just you know lord i'm here with you and if it's a dramatic day great if it's not fine um i just want to be with you i just want to fellowship with you and um this is what it is. And, you know, he did a, he, I just feel he's just done a work in me through that where I'm no longer the victim to my temperament, if that makes sense, yeah? I can do busy still, I can do energetic, that's great. But I'm, no, I'm not a victim to it. I can stop. And, um, and that whole word we had at the start of 2017 about slow down and look up, Susie, I think, had that word, and we sang songs about it, and we meditated on that over plan A prayer. I just felt, yeah, I slowed down and I looked up. And he held me. And he did amazing things, actually. He did things that I, I, I'll, I'll share some testimony throughout the next three weeks, but he he did things that I can't even point to a moment where it happened, you know? But I look back and I read the journal that I started writing at the start of sabbatical, and I'll say, oh, gosh. I had a really, you know, there was a big question there and I don't think you answered it, but I think I'm healed, <laughs> you know? And so I guess I just want to, End the sermon by saying, maybe the Lord wants to help us be one thing, people. I don't want to project my experience onto you. I wouldn't want to do that at all. I know we're all very different people. But I think there's something timeless in this one thing. Jesus said it in a different way. He phrased it like this. No man can serve two masters. You'll be pushed and pulled. You've got to work out at your core... What you're about. You know? And that's not something you, you that's not like a legalistic work. That's just basically letting the Lord have your heart. And He has done everything. He has totally cleared the way for us to be able to do that, hasn't he? It's like through the cross and resurrection, He's made the way. It's all been it's all been done. And He's given us such a beautiful model of what it looks like. Living in such peace. And so um, I guess I just want to maybe leave you with that. Particularly verse four of Psalm twenty-seven and trust that the Lord will use that maybe over this week to just fill your heart again with his beauty and his desire to have you live in dwelling, not just visiting, living and dwelling in his presence. Amen. I just pray. Father, I'm really I'm really grateful to you, Lord, because um for so many reasons, but I guess one I'm thinking about at the moment is you know, you just very, very kind and um, you take us where we are and Lord, if we'll let you you'll just do amazing things I'm so grateful for that and thank you for the church here thank you for this wonderful community of people that you've built here together over these years many have come and many have gone but thank you for those that are here thank you for those that are here thank you for those, Lord that, for what you're doing among us And I pray, Lord, that even as I've spoken and even as we just sing now and do whatever we do, take up the offering, I pray for just a sense, Lord, in the room of your nearness and your desire to touch us freshly and your desire to declutter our souls and enable us to, on an internal sense, live simply. I pray for that, Lord. I pray for that. I pray that, Lord, you would would sweep in and do those things in our soul, Lord, that only you can do, as we trust you to. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Just before the offering, some practical things are going to happen in a moment. I want to just say something, I guess, about the offering that's less practical but more just on a heart on a heart level. Who God has made us to be, as Rich preached last week, is more than is is more than just a church that is concerned with our. With, with, with our locality. Okay? God has graced us to be a church with a big heart. A heart for the city. A heart for cities around the world. And he's allowed, allowed us to plant into other cities around the world. And he's allowing us to plant into this city. And I want us to be people that, let's not whatever we do just fall into giving money. Let's allow the Lord to enlarge our heart. Everything else comes out of that. Time, resources comes out of the heart because that's the springs of life come from the heart. So I want to ask you, don't just do this in an external special offering. We are investing into what God is wanting to do through us in the city. We, we, I, you know, I believe that it will not be long before you see a very, very wonderful, vibrant baby church in Tottenham. We're on the way. Got a great leadership team there now. Got a lovely, vibrant community. I think we're gonna hit we're gonna gain some traction in the coming months and we'll see a wonderful expression of God's life in a church in Tottenham very soon. Who knows what will be after that? But we wanna we wanna invest because we care about our city. Amen. We wanna we wanna see the good things happen. Enough bad happens. We know about that. Read it in our metro every day. Enough bad happens. Let's 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 be invest in our Hearts and our souls into seeing the glory of Christ being made known across this city. Amen. Amen. Amen.